This morning is going to be an emotional sermon for me, and some of you already are going, oh great, he cries at everything anyways. Um, This is something I often get a lot of advice before I do. Uh, The Lord doesn't often tell me to preach a specific passage, um, and I've not asked anybody their opinion and advice this morning, so uh, my own wife is shocked to hear me say I'm doing something different. I need a lock-in Thursday. I'm going to sit down if that's okay. Is that okay with you guys? Um, well, I thought I'd get emotional at the end, not at the beginning. Probably needed that. I, uh, I don't do good with elephant in the rooms. Um, I just, I don't. I'm, I'm a very transparent person. And um, we've spent a lot of time, many of you all know, some of you go, what elephant? You've not seen an elephant. But um, most of you all know there's been an elephant hanging out at our church for a long time, uh, for most of this year. And um, I just don't do well with that. I don't think that God's word tells us to do well with that, to talk around things and to try to figure out how to just... Um, deal with elephants in rooms. Um, So this this sermon this morning is going to be very um, testimonial in a lot of ways. It's going to be from my own experiences, but a lot of sermons that get preached are, all sermons that get preached are as much for the pastor as they are the congregation, and this one is. But don't miss out on the fact that we're a family doing this together. So a lot of this is preached at me, but it's preached at us. Now, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, so if you have your Bible turned there, I don't have it on the screen this morning. You'll you'll have to actually open up a copy of God's Word and follow along, and I please encourage you to do that. Uh, You can turn there in your Bible. You can scroll there if you would like. Um, And I'm just going to start off with a word of testimony and a word of apology. Um, as a fallen, imperfect human being, there are a lot of things as a pastor that I do poorly. Um, A lot of things that I think God's allowed me to do well, and I'm thankful for that. Um, God has gifted me in specific ways, and I'm thankful for that. Sometimes, even in those gifts and those strengths, they get used in ways that um, aren't Christ-honoring. It has never been my intention as a pastor at any point to do anything that's harmed anybody. That doesn't mean I haven't. Um, Some of you all have no idea what we're talking about. Others of you know more details than others. Um, But there's been several families in this church this year who have been hurt uh, in different ways for different reasons. And um, I know I'm the source of a lot of it. I promise you, I have not intentionally hurt anybody. That doesn't change the fact that people have been hurt. Um, I'm a hypocrite if I say I would do everything exactly the same. Um, I feel confident in decisions and conversations I've had, but um, seeing how they've hurt people, I would never do it in the same way. Um, And so this morning, a lot of this is me dealing with this passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3. 
and saying, how am I to deal with struggle and conflict? How am I to address my own personal responsibility in people being hurt? Um, And to ask you as a church to do the same. First Peter chapter 3. I want to read verses 8 through 17. Starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. The context of 1 Peter is a suffering church, a church that is is being persecuted beyond what we can imagine. Most likely, they're under the the reign of an emperor named Nero. Uh, You've probably learned of Nero in history books. In school, he was a wicked and horrible human being who got pleasure out of torturing the Christians in his empire. And as Peter is writing to this church, he's very well aware that many of them have been arrested, beaten, and martyred for their faith. They're a struggling church in this moment because, quite honestly, as hard as they've tried to do good, they're losing the battle. And the entire book talks about standing strong in persecution and especially in suffering. And he gets to the middle of the book. You'll notice this is chapter 3, and there are five chapters. We're right smack smack dab in the middle. But he gets to this point where he says, finally, in the last three chapters, are him summing up how to suffer well. In verse 8, he says, finally, all of you, you believers in Christ, those of you who are united in your faith, have a unity of mind. He reminds them that they're in this together. Surely they're drug apart by Nero or circumstances, but they are the body of Christ. Have unity of mind. Have sympathy. Sympathy, I believe, means for one another because we have unity together, but I don't believe it's only for one another. I believe he's saying have sympathy with those who are arresting you and your family and persecuting you and and causing you to suffer. Understand that, that they're created in the image of God as well. Have brotherly love and care for one another because in troubled times we need it. Have a tender heart and a humble mind. These are individual responses to the suffering we go through. Often when we get in a place of suffering, we abandon the commands to do these things, and we turn inward and we express anger outward. I told you this was a testimonial sermon. 
It's happened with your pastor. It's happened to your pastor. It's happened at First Baptist Church. We need to be reminded that we are united in mind. Verse 9, after he says, do these things, he says, but, but don't do this. What not to do? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for, those, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. This is Jesus' talk here for turn the other cheek. The suffering is going to come, but it's not okay to dish out the suffering. Unplanned, we had a really good conversation this morning, and and maybe some of the other Sunday school classes did as well, who are going through uh, the same curriculum about what the sword is. The two-edged sword in Scripture. And very insightfully, someone pointed out that that sword cuts and divides that God intends for us to interact with fellow believers in Christ, not with a sword, but with a scalpel. It's intended for us to to prune and to build one another up. No, the, the sword is impactful, but it's not meant for people. Our enemy, Paul says in Ephesians, is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the spiritual powers. The one who is causing the division. Too often we draw the sword on each other. Let it not be so that we return evil for evil. Verses 10 through 12, he's quoting Psalm 34. If you you take notes, jot down, read Psalm 34 later. When he, he reminds us why we are to do these things, he says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips away from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We're reminded how to live. We're reminded how not to live. We're reminded that we are a body of Christ, united together for the purpose of building his kingdom. It's not my intention in a sermon, nor is it appropriate to go through the details of the struggle. Some of you all know them well. Some of you all are are learning for struggles for the first time, and that's okay. Um, There are people at this church who would love to share with you what those struggles are, but when we do, when I do, and what I've done with each of you who have asked me, is I've shared where the struggles are, and I've said, but go talk to those who are hurting, because we're in this together. In those struggles, we have not always fulfilled verses 8 through 12. But the Word of God reminds us that from this moment forward, we must. The rest of these verses tell us how to suffer well, and our church is hurting. There are those in our church who are hurting. Verse 13, he asks, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? This has got to be a rhetorical question. Who's going to hurt you if you just do the right thing? And the people that Peter is writing to say, us, we're doing the right thing, and we're being hurt. When Peter asks the question, it's not to say, if you do good, you won't suffer. He's to remind us how ridiculous it is that doing the right thing often is painful. It should not be that way, and yet... It so often is. 
Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The suffering will come. The pain will be there. Suffer well. Then he tells us how. Verse 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Do not lose sight of who deserves the honor. It's not a pastor, it's not a board or a deacon or a position at the church, it's not a Sunday school teacher that deserves the ultimate honor. Too often we lift leaders up to a pedestal, and rightly so in some aspects, but we put them in a place where we expect them to be something that is unattainable. We expect perfection out of our leaders our pastor and our deacons. We expect the people of our church to to always do right and never fall down. We're reminded that the one who deserves the honor is no man. We are to put in our hearts Christ. Christ first. Always, he says in verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. I've used this verse before as a gospel-sharing verse. Be ready to share your faith, and I think that's true, but can can we strip it down to what it's basically saying? Always be prepared to do what God has called you to do. Never stop serving the way God calls you to serve. It's so easy in all of this to sit back and say, we, we need time. By the way, some people, we, we do need time. I, I want to be very careful. There is a time to step back and say, I need a breather. But we see Jesus taking time in the Gospels to get away and pray, to stop the serving and to invest in the healing, to make sure he's honoring Christ as Lord. So when I say we need to keep serving. I don't mean there's not a season that some people need to step back biblically and say, give me a breather. Give me a second. I I need a time to do this first thing and honor Christ as Lord. But the ministry of the church cannot stop. Always be prepared. You, You need the breather to honor Christ as Lord, and this church needs to move forward in ministry. There are so many amazing things happening at First Baptist right now that that some of you all know, some of you have have no clue. Some stories that we've been able to to be a part of with our children's ministry. Guys, if you're not here on Wednesday night, can I invite you to come on Wednesday nights? The church is alive. Our jam kids kill it. Our youth, in the middle of a pandemic, grew in numbers. Ministry opportunities have opened up just in the last two weeks with a couple of individual kids who, just one kid inviting another kid, and now they're going to camp. I mean, it's like, unreal. Funny story, you can laugh at this if you want. I got called to do an exorcism last week. (laughs) 
Um, not literally, but a man called and someone who I have a relationship with and said, I didn't know who else to call. Weird things are happening in my house. Can you come and pray? I got to share the gospel with him. It was cool. Um, no demon spirits flew out to pigs or anything like that, but um, people are reaching out and saying, we need to know the gospel. got families who are hurting that I get to pray with. So no. Guys, my testimony is I've not got to take the break since January. I don't want to take the break. Take my time throughout the week to set apart Christ as Lord. But the ministry has not stopped, and it won't. And I'm so thankful for that. We need to ask ourselves, are we prepared to do the ministry that God's called us to do together? Do we have that unity of mind to say, we're going to move forward because the kingdom, the kingdom of God has called us to. Finishes verse 15. It says, Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Honor the Christ. Honor Christ as Lord. Keep doing the ministry. Keep your integrity and do what's right. to be bold and blunt for a minute in testimony, many of us have not followed this pattern well. To be fair, I think many have tried, but the suffering is tough. The hurt is real. The word slander in verse 16 has been a tough one for me to read through. Because quite honestly, my family has endured it six months now. The devil wants nothing more than to not have that unity of mind and to divide. I, I, think, <clears throat> I think the hardest thing for me as a pastor is to stand up here and speak pointed truth, knowing that some people will take it poorly because the word of God is a sword that divides. But I can't help but share what scripture is teaching about the dangers of slander. Just in the last few months, me and my wife have both had our personal character attacked, and that is the exact phrase used, character issues. Been told I'm manipulative, even to the point of being told that my apologies are manipulative, that the fact that I apologize to anyone is a manipulation. Bad enough that these things are said to me and my wife. Um, but early on, we, we had a community person, someone who does not attend our church, ask, is Pastor Trey trying to take power away from the deacons at First Baptist? It's in our community. Not in our church, in our community. That's slander. 
I'm not. Not long after that, I, I heard that Pastor Trey's trying to run off the old people in the church. I don't even know what that has to do with anything. But when someone in the community hears that, it's scandal. In our own worship service, <clears throat> I've heard people who attend our church aren't members and don't know everything that's going on have to ask, what's going on? Because we've heard people talk about the pastor before the service, right before the service. more examples and I'm asking and pleading for this slander to stop. I know I'm an imperfect individual. You can come and talk to me. I've been able to talk to many of you. Um, I've reached out to some and we've not got to sit down and I hope we will be able to. Most of you who have been hurt, I've got to sit down with either a phone conversation or face-to-face. -face. Some of those, quite honestly, have not gone real well, and I've been told some pretty nasty things, and they go on their way. And I can deal with that for us to talk through things. And for the sake of unity of mind, I think some of those conversations still need to happen. For people to share where they're hurt and for me to be able to, to apologize for my part in that. I ask for each of us to do the same thing. I'm not up here looking for apologies. But the fact is that the people who have hurt me most, none of them have reached out to me to apologize. That's okay. I want you to know I forgive. And I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need that. What I do need is for us as a church to have a unity of mind. It says ministry has got to be done, and we can't keep the elephant in the room keeping us from doing ministry. He closes out. Verse 17. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I think we need to be very aware there are people in our church who are suffering. Good people in our church who are hurt. And whether we do good or whether we do bad, the suffering comes. We might as well suffer doing what's right and what's good. So our invitation this morning, I know it's not real formal, I'm asking for a commitment to this process. That we would have a unity of mind to do these things moving forward. That we would honor Christ above all else. That we would continue doing the ministry God has called us to do at First Baptist Church. And that we would do it with the highest integrity and character because God's word demands it.